Welcome back to Balagan. On July 19th of 2021, Ben Jerry's, the ice cream manufacturers, announced they will end sales of their ice cream in the occupied Palestinian territory, saying they believe that it's inconsistent with their values to sell their ice cream in the West Bank, Gaza, and in Jerusalem, I guess. They also hear and recognize the concerns shared with them by their fans and trusted partners around the world. Ben Jerry's is being sold in Israel since 1992. And actually, it's the only facility that is owned by a licensee and not directly by Ben Jerry's that are now actually being owned by Unilever. What are the outcomes? What's going to happen? Are they going to end their sales now or, uh, you know, later? We're going to try and bring a bigger picture and most of the argument in today's episode. And who can I make it better with than my dear friend, Jeff Becker, who joins us again. Hey, Jeff, how are you doing? I'm good. I, I heard we were talking about ice cream. You know, I, uh, I can never say no to that. Never say no to some uh, free ice cream. Yeah, that's why. Lucky they don't see us, because uh, you are the fat one, actually, not me. Yeah, I beg <laughs> to differ, but... Uh, uh, PC, PC, you can't say fat on the air, okay? That'll be a debate for another time. <laughs> Definitely. But I'm the big guy, let's be honest here. So, uh, yeah, Jeff, you like Ben & Jerry's? If you're asking me personally, you know, it, I mean, it's, it's expensive, but, you know, it's pretty good. If I want, like, a filling ice cream, then, uh, you know, I'll go for Ben & Jerry's, but... You know, all this hoopla going around right now about, you know, everyone's screaming, oh, Ben and Jerry's, how could you make this boycott happen? It's anti-Semitic. And then you have people saying, oh, well, Ben and Jerry's, this boycott didn't go far enough. Why are you only boycotting the settlements and not the entirety of Israel? And I don't really see the big deal in all of this personally. I know we'll get into that a little bit more. But, you know, from my perspective, I see Ben and Jerry's making a pretty targeted boycott against the settlements specifically and not against Israel proper. So I think the fact that they're able to make that distinction is one, a good thing, and two, not BDS, because BDS ultimately supports boycotting Israel entirely. So from the looks of it, it looks like Ben and Jerry's will still be selling, you know, within Israel's quote democratic borders within the green line. But, you know, settlements across the West Bank they told the licensee that they cannot sell the ice cream to the settlements anymore. Yeah, you brought up some good points here, but I want to try first to explain the bigger picture about Ben and & Jerry's and their international policy, let's call it this way. So Ben & Jerry's founded in 1978 by two uh, nice, as we call it, Jewish boys from New York, Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield, both of them relocated to Vermont, founded Ben & Jerry's in 1978. Both of them are progressive, quite socialist, I would say, until I think the early 90s or the late 90s. They actually had a strict policy of a minimum wage of $12 that it's equal for today's 20 bucks minimum wage. That was the starting point in Ben & Jerry's. And they had a ratio of one to five salary policy that the highest ranked employee will not make more than five salaries extra than their lowest rate employees. And they kept it for a long time. At one point, they were sold to Unilever. It's a global corporate based in the UK. And ever since, things have a bit changed, but they do keep 
I would say their DNA of social activism and being more minded to environmental issues. And they kept on running campaigns around the world, mainly about trying to make a social impact around the environment. They are being sold in more than 35 countries around the globe. I will mention that they used to sell both in China, in Hong Kong, and in Russia, and they got out from both of these states. So they basically tried to put their money where their heart is, but on the other hand, they still sell, okay, in some countries like Malaysia, Brazil, the Philippines, and the UAE, countries that are not uh, known for being such a human rights supporters. In Malaysia, we can discuss, you know, the sweatshop employees in the UAE, you know that 90% of all of UAE, uh, the United Arab Emirates population is actually foreigners, and a lot of them are actually live in poor conditions, and they are the ones building the land. Philippines, their president is a horrible human being. And Brazil, what can I say about Brazil and Bolsonaro? He is also a filthy rich guy who doesn't care about the mass. So it's a good question, you know, what's happening. But let's dive into Israel now, because Israel is a unique case. As we mentioned before, Ben & Jerry's make most of the ice cream in the US. Some of it is made in the Netherlands, and Israel is a different story. In 1992, they had their first and only licensee. And what is happening is actually now, at the end of 2022, the contract ends. And they decided that if the licensee would like to renew the contract, they will do that gladly. But they said, we want you to sell inside the Green Line borders. We do not want you to sell in what we call the occupied Palestinian territories. This thing brought a lot of tension among Israelis and among Jews, because at one, most people say that Ben and Jerry's are playing into the BDS uh, movement hands. And I completely agree with what you said at the beginning, but eventually the people who criticizes Ben and Jerry around it has a point. Again, like in every political thing that involves with Israel, there is a lot of hypocrisy. There is a world hypocrisy, and there is also a lot of Israelis uh, hypocrisy. So where do you want us to start? Well, I think we, we took care of you know, some of the world hypocrisy already, so let's dive right into what's going on on the ground in Israel. So people were uh, really upset. I mean, most Israelis didn't even understand because most people in the world don't tend to read the fine prints, you know? They only see the headlines. And if there is something that politicians are mastered, and also the media is taking the headline and making it bigger, you know, echo it like half a sentence or half a saying. And in Israeli media, it sounded like Ben and Jerry's don't want to sell to Israelis anymore. What politicians did, and actually it was a bit awkward, because most politicians, mainly from the Israeli right wing, said, we need to boycott Ben and Jerry's. So Israelis stopped buying Ben and Jerry's for a couple of days, forgetting that actually they hurt a local manufacturer that directly employs 150 households that are being provided by this manufacturer, and also a lot of other people that, you know, either it's uh, truck drivers, distributors, and stuff like that. 
he took them a while, including one of the loudest voice, of course, was former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who said, oh, we need to show Ben and Jerry's what it is, we'll stop buying Ben and Jerry's. Then people reminded that the local manufacturer still has a year and a half to go, so let's keep on buying from them. You know, so it's like it became a stupid dialogue in Israel. Yeah, the whole, uh, the whole narrative became, oh, in Israel, they said, all right, we need to boycott Ben and Jerry's completely. Then they said, oh, no, actually, we need to buy as much Ben and Jerry's in Israel as we can, and everywhere else in the world it needs to be boycotted. Yeah, and instead of, by the way, targeting all of the arrows in the global, you know, company of Unilever, in Israel, because it's a licensee, Unilever in Israel is being imported and uh, manufacturing by Unilever. They have representation on the grounds, and it's completely detached from uh, Ben and Jerry's. What I would have offered to Israelis is actually target your arrows in Unilever, because they are the, you know, the main shareholder of Ben and Jerry's. If you want to attack somebody or punish someone, go against Unilever. But Israelis didn't understand it. They didn't get the full picture. So automatically, they started bombarding Ben and Jerry's. Instead of dealing with the question, you know, what is the status of, you know, some will call it the West Bank, some will call it the occupied Palestinian territories, some will call it the 67 border. That's a hard question for Israelis. Israelis don't like to touch the hot potato of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And I think that that's what both sides are missing. I mean, Ben and Jerry's will not be able to promote peace through such an action, okay? No. From the beginning, let's be honest, okay? Palestinians don't have the money to buy Ben and Jerry's. It's too expensive. I don't know number-wise how much Ben and Jerry's are selling because even in Israel, they have only a small percentage of all ice cream sold because they are top quality and they are super expensive, not only in the US, but also in Israel. So when they're doing that act, I'm not sure if they're actually promoting the peace process, but actually they're playing into the BDS hands because for the BDS, it's a recognition of their efforts and people, once again, just like the Israelis, people don't read the fine prints. So they don't see the distinction that you've made between the West Bank and Gaza and the whole state of Israel and what the BDS is aiming to, which is from, this, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, which is completely not a peaceful uh, act. It's literally saying eliminate the state of Israel and uh, make Palestine great again. It should also be mentioned how the Israeli government responded to this, because um, I know the Israeli Knesset recently just issued like a letter of condemnation towards Ben and Jerry's, but a couple of the Israeli members of the Knesset actually withdrew their signatures, mainly from the left-wing parties such as Labor, Meretz, I don't think the joint list signed on, which would make a lot of sense. So in a way, this is actually testing a lot of people's values in Israel, you know, about where they stand on stuff like a two-state solution and differentiating the settlements between Israel proper. And, you know, it's, I guess, a little bit ironic that a company like an ice cream company like Ben & Jerry's would be the main issue which brings the Israeli-Palestinian conflict back to the forefront of people's attention in Israel. Because, I mean, even with this last round of fighting, like the Israeli-Palestinian conflict has kind of been pushed to the side completely in 
the mindset of most Israelis. So, you know, the fact that it takes an ice cream company to bring it back up, you know, really shows a lot about where the conflict is right now, where it could be heading. And yeah. I would say that Israel is concerned should be from the fact that the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is not appealing to anybody anymore and nobody really cares besides a couple of uh, progressive Jews, let's be honest. Because eventually it is a crucial question for Israel and for the sake of the state of Israel, in which direction Israel wants to go. Does it want to keep the Jewish majority? And then it means we need to separate from the Palestinians. Or we want to become truly an apartheid state. At the moment, that's a debate for a different episode. But the whole, uh, I would say, concept of apartheid state, people are not really aware to what it means, apartheid state. I had a chance to be in South Africa in the apartheid era. And when you're talking about apartheid, you're talking about a full segregation of the majority of the black people from the minority of the white people. So I'm talking about hospitals, and I'm talking about uh, public transportation, and I'm talking about the public sphere. Now, if you go in Israel and you'll travel to Tel Aviv, to Haifa, to uh, Jerusalem, to all of the, mostly all of the state of Israel, there is no real segregation between Israelis and the Arabs. I think that today the Arab minority in Israel is actually almost 20% of all students in Israel. You see Arab doctors, Arabs and Jews are in the same hospitals. They go to the same educational system. You don't have a lot of integration in many ways because you know people live in different cities. But mm. when they go to college, they go to the same college. You don't have classes for Arabs and classes for uh, Jews, okay? And you don't have stores that don't sell or saying, we don't sell to Arabs here. And that's, you know, when you're talking apartheid, that's apartheid. If you want to speak apartheid, let's go to the 50s, you know, and to the segregation policies in the U.S. 70 years ago. That was something similar to what we saw in South Africa. I will say that in the West Bank, you do have a segregation, started mainly because of security reasons, and now it's became something that is convenient for someone. So the question is what Israelis want and what they need in order to change things around. And that's something that eventually something like Ben and Jerry's and what they did will not help to solve. What Ben and Jerry's did and actually, you said it correctly in a way. This stupid statement of the members of the Knesset, which originally had 90 members of the Knesset signing on it, 90 out of 120, that's 75% of all members of the Knesset, it united the Israelis because there is nothing that people like more than being a victim. And if you're attacking somebody, you're attacking a community, you're making the whole community unified around, you know, let's fight back. So Ben and Jerry's don't really help to promote peace. They're actually helping to promote the righteous and the you know, self-justified victimization of Israelis. It's also important to note how Israeli politicians react to stuff like BDS. You know, you look at Israel and you see the amount of the billions of dollars that the startup companies have brought in in the last year. And, you know, it's a lot different than it was 30, 40 years ago. I mean, Israel's a regional superpower now. It's a technological powerhouse. 
And, you know, you get something like some menial West Bank ice cream boycott from Ben and Jerry's. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Israeli politicians are up in arms like this is the worst thing since uh, Hezbollah attacked us in 2006. You know, it needs to be said that in a way, BDS kind of gives a lot of ammunition, mainly to the right wing Israeli politicians to just scream about a threat that doesn't really exist. And the outrage that kind of comes in reaction to these like menial, I can't even say it's a BDS boycott because it's only in the settlements, you know, but the, the reaction really just gives Israeli politicians an excuse to kind of scream about this and, you know, possibly score some brownie points from their constituents about this, you know, perceived threat that isn't actually really there. I mean, to be honest, you know, the Israelis, a lot of Israeli settlers in the West Bank don't care about Ben and Jerry's, let alone ice cream to begin with. I mean, that's that, for a lot of reasons, it's not why they're there, it's not why they're in the settlement, some for ideological reasons, some for economic reasons. But for most Israeli settlers, they Israel's perception in the international arena isn't like they're not their top priority. And boycotts and not having ice cream, like they can happily go on without that. So in a way, it's a lot of virtue signaling on both sides that comes as a reaction from all this. And that's really it. Yeah, and you said it correctly. The BDS so far over the years that the BDS has been active, it mostly failed. Because if you look economically wise, investments in Israel only grew. Israeli companies becoming global, they're going global. We have a really fine high-tech industry and Israeli exports is going ballistic. You can actually remind, you know, the audience, the Abraham Accords, which uh, was signed less than a year and a half ago. The Abraham Accords are the perfect example that actually even the Arab world is tired of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And the Arab world is actually going by its own interest. So now uh, I'd say I'd say Arab governments. I wouldn't yeah, the Arab say governments. Arab. I agree. Yeah. The Arab governments. But you know, Saudi Arabia, the United Emirates, Bahrain, they have bigger problems to solve than the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. It doesn't mean that it will go away. It doesn't mean, you know, when Israel was thinking about annexing the West Bank, you know, the Arab leadership actually came and said to Prime Minister at that time, to former Prime Minister Netanyahu, don't do that because you are endangering the Abraham Accords. So he needed to bail out. But that's the only thing that they do. I mean, they're not putting any pressure on Israel. They have shared interests with Israel. We discussed it in previous episodes. And the Israeli-Palestinian is, they see it as something that is not of their concerns or their immediate concerns for now. So, What's keeping the BDS alive at the moment is mainly the progressive movement in the US and the progressives in the politics sphere. And that is something that Israel should be concerned of. And that's one of the reasons, by the way, that Israel went ballistic on Ben and Jerry's, because they're afraid, and I can totally get it, that Ben and Jerry's is going to be just the first domino cube and will have a domino effect on Israel's economy because it starts with Ben & Jerry's, other companies may follow. So far, I think that it went bad for Ben & Jerry's in the US and in where you have major Jewish, actually, uh, communities, because you can see where politics go and divides, actually, diaspora Jewry. And 
I think that, you know, Ben and Jerry's once again made a mistake. I also think that, um, that the world jury is making a big mistake in it. You know, we're involving politics with Judaism. I think it's bad, bad for us as Jews. Now, in, uh, I heard that in Australia, they're threatening Ben and Jerry's that they're going to ban their uh, kosher. You know, certificate. Yeah, the kosher, they're going to take away the kosher certificate for like, political. That's, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a ridiculous step from the Jewish perspective. You ever wonder why, you know, there's so much outrage at Ben and Jerry's for doing this, but at the same time, a company like McDonald's is following the same policy. They don't opt. They have a lot of stores. In they have over 100. Okay, but it's all in Israel proper. They don't have any. They don't have any restaurants in the West Bank. No one's, you know, yelling about how oh McDonald's is anti-Semitic and so on and so forth. It's like no, this is just it's normal, and people are on it. You know, McDonald's is popular in Israel. People don't care that they don't operate in the West Bank. You brought a great point here, by the way. When McDonald's came to Israel, the licensee of McDonald's in Israel is a guy named Omri Padan. Omri Padan was one of the founders of Peace Now. And he stated immediately that he is not going to open any franchise in the West Bank or the Gaza Strip. And he's keeping his word until now. Okay, but nobody's making an issue out of it. You are right. At the beginning, the settlers were shouting, but now nobody noticed. It's not that anybody's boycotting McDonald's in Israel. And you brought a great point. I will tell you more than that. If you're looking at agreements, okay, global agreements that the Israeli government signed on, you will see that actually Israel agreed with the Chinese in the past and with the uh, European Union that, for example, no academic research conducted in the West Bank will get any grants from a fund that is a joint fund of Israel and the European Union. They got to agreements with Turkish companies and Chinese companies that no contract will be conducted and made in the occupied territories. So now we're complaining on Ben and Jerry's, but Israelis should ask themselves, you know, we are playing a game here as Israelis, and I'm saying it as an Israeli, that we are in our comfort zone. And we don't like to be poked or getting out of the comfort zone. And I think that eventually it's going to blow, blow us in the face. And that's something that Israelis should think about for the longer term, you know, as I said, whether we want to keep Israel is Jewish and democratic, or we want things to change and not for our uh, best of interest. Because Ben and Jerry's may be the first, you know, brick in the wall, and they may be the last brick in the wall, because you can see that global corporates don't really care about human rights or social responsibility. They care about the money. But what will happen, you know, now we're talking about, we have the Olympics in Japan, the main shift for uh, South Africa, and I'm putting South Africa out there because uh, we already spoke about apartheid, was actually when they were banned from uh, participating in the Olympics. That was one of the biggest shifts that started actually a major economic boycott on uh, the South Africans. But I will say that eventually the ball dropped only when William de Clark, who was the prime minister of South Africa, acknowledged that they cannot keep the apartheid regime forever. He released Nelson Mandela, who spent 20 years in prison, and then together they went for reconciliation and made the change in South Africa. It's also important to note that he held a referendum. It was, it was among the white South African population about, you know, whether or not he would 
continue to have the mandate to keep negotiating with Mandela and the ANC, and it passed. It, yes. it was like 60-30, uh, something like that. And without that mandate from the, from the white population in South Africa, then we could still be in the same position as we were back in the 19, in the 1980s with apartheid still going. So, you know, you bring up a good point how at the end of the day, it's like boycotts can, you know, maybe have some effect, but ultimately it was the white South African population's decision to make. It's going to be Israel's decision to make. And no one can really change that. Yeah. Because I remember when I was in South Africa, the white society, they didn't understand what's wrong with them having, you know, many black people uh, working in their house, for, you know, keeping their household for a lower than minimum wage. Why do they need to have the same civil rights? And they did not get what's wrong here. And once again, I'm not saying, I don't think, I mean, most Israelis actually support the two-state solution. And that's something that people also don't tend to see. But once again, it's more complicated. They are too much into the scarcity zone. And we don't see a Palestinian Nelson Mandela who will try to discuss reconciliation, you know, and instead of uh, keeping the Palestinians victims. As long as the Palestinians will come from the victim side and Israel will come from the victim side, we'll probably won't be able to lick uh, Ben and Jerry's for long. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, look, you know, Israel also needs a clerk on there. And I mean, you know, that's not to say that they haven't had them. I mean, you know, you had Omer who was willing to make the sacrifices, Ahud Barak was willing to make the sacrifices, Yitzhak Rabin literally paid his life for trying to make the sacrifice. So, you know, it goes, it goes both ways. And you see Mahmoud Abbas is like 86 years old now. I mean, he's going to be going, you know, there's a threat of Hamas taking over the West Bank. Yes. Israel is still like firmly very much voting for right-wing parties. So, I mean, that doesn't look like it's anywhere near the horizon, some sort of solution. So, you know, do you think maybe it'll be more boycotts, maybe it'll be more conflict, that things are just going to get worse before it gets better? Honestly, my main concern is that the next round of violence is going to be a lot worse. You know, you, you mentioned Mahmoud Abbas. If uh, Mahmoud Abbas, you know, dies, Hamas may take over the West Bank. Now, most people in the West Bank are secular. They are not religious. Most Palestinians are actually not religious. But they are tired of the corruption of the PA. They are also corrupted, by the way, in Gaza from the corruption of Hamas. That's a topic for another discussion, you know. People don't realize that neither the Palestinian Authority or the Hamas regime in Gaza are too much into human rights, you know. But we're going to go into chaos. And my concern for Israel is that there's going to be a crazy bloodshed, you know, time before we're going to make the hard decision. But it's not going to come because Ben and Jerry's are not going to sell their ice cream in the West Bank anymore. Well, when, you say, again, when you say bloodshed, what do, you, what do you mean it's going to be? Because, you know, a lot of people argue that the occupation now more than ever is probably more sustainable. Um, I mean, do you think it'll be like a second intifada-like violence? You think it'll just be... The, the, only, reason, the only reason that uh, we have peace and quiet, some sort of peace and quiet in the West Bank at the moment, is because of the Palestinian Authority's uh, stronghold. If it wasn't for Mahmoud Abbas' interest, okay, to keep the area quiet, we wouldn't have been in such a peaceful era. And by the way, the heads of the IDF and the Shin Bet are saying that. They are saying that we have an amazing collaboration with the Palestinian 
armed forces with the police and their muhabarat, uh, as we call them, they are the, the, the Shin Bet, the Palestinian Shin Bet. But nobody knows what's going to happen once uh, Mahmoud Abbas steps out of power. So oh, really I don't think he's gonna, I don't think he's going to willingly step out. He's just going to die. He's going to die. And what's going to happen next? The Palestinians are going to go to a war between the Palestinian Authority and Hamas. Okay. But eventually, they're both going to turn against us. So mm-hmm. I'm really concerned of that thing. I hope it's not going to happen. But honestly, with the material of where we live, that's usually what's happening. Yeah. Look what's happening now in Lebanon. Look what's happening in Iraq. Look what's happening in Syria. Look what's happening in Libya. And look what's happening in Tunisia now. You know that Tunisia is also on the verge of civil war. The one, you know, it seems like the one successful uh, result of the Arab Spring, and it looks like it might have just gone out the door as of well, a couple of days ago. Yeah. We're going to continue following up. I don't think that's the end of Ben and Jerry's in Israel. If, to be honest, they have a year and a half. In some way, you can say that they gave themselves a round of PR. You know, the ice cream manufacturer, the licensee, is actually making an amazing ice cream. So he doesn't really need the brand of Ben & Jerry's. He can form his own brand, still making great ice cream, you know, just under a different branding. It's not going to promote peace, but we'll have to continue and follow up. Yeah, but it, you know, it does inspire the, the, the greater conversation. You know, if you had told me like a, at least a month ago or two months ago, it's like, oh, we'd be talking about Ben & Jerry's ice cream on, uh, on one of the episodes. Like, you know what? There's nothing out of boundary that can happen at this point. I mean, seriously. Yeah, what's next? Beer? They're going to take beer from Israel? All right, that might actually, that, that might, that, then, then, you know, then they'll, have, they'll really have to sit down and... Uh... Honestly, I don't care if they'll take beer, you know, uh, the international brands like uh, Heineken and uh, Carlsberg, because uh, the number one beer in the world is Gold, Gold Star. Star. Yes. Okay. So everybody go and drink Gold Star, as long as you are uh, over uh, 21 and up in America. In Israel, you can drink after the age of 18. So we put the disclaimer, we're good, right? Yep. So Jeff, anything else that uh, you have to tell to us about it, or uh, we're done for today? I think we're done. I might go get some ice cream later. I won't tell anyone what brand is not to, you know, stir (laughs) up the pot anymore and... uh, (laughs) you know, portray any sort of bias, you know, it's usually whichever one is cheapest and I'm in the mood for at the time is the one I'll go for. I don't, I don't, you know, when it comes to my dietary habits, I don't really get political about them. I usually go for what my uh, stomach and brain's telling me. So that's how I'll keep it going forward. On that note, I said on that note, Kobe, it was, it was good talking to you. Yeah. Good talking to you. And uh, just a final sentence is that you brought me the idea that maybe we should promote an ice cream war between Israelis and Palestinians, that instead of throwing the rocks and the rockets, you know, they're going to throw ice cream at one at each other. I think it can create a, a big difference in the hot Middle yeah, East. A, yeah, a food fight's all fun and games until someone who gets hit is allergic to dairy or, you know. Oh, they, they oh really yeah, dairy or nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can put a vegan section and, you know, uh, we, can, we can figure it out. But thank you very much, Jeff, for joining me. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. And until the next episode. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and wanted to thank you for joining me. If you like my podcast, feel free to rank it and share it with others. 
I also invite you to subscribe to my podcast so you will get updates when a new episode is on the air. And last but not least, I invite you to check my website, Balagan, www.balagan.ltd, for more content about Israel's history and politics. Bye for now, and have a great day. Thank you.